It's time for another episode of Library Gals Go to the Library, where your favorite bookworms give our recommendations from the Delaware County District Library. So don't worry, we'll help you find something new to get lost in. Hello, everyone, and it's so nice to be back. Uh, thanks for joining us. I am Katie, here with my lovely co-host, Bia. Hello! You might know us better as the Library Gals. <laughs> Over the past year, we've been reviewing bad and some not-so-bad movies. Uh, we've been the Library Gals go to the movies, but now we are ready to switch gears and we're expanding our scope. We are now going to be discussing movies and, and more. more. Every other week, we will be bringing you recommendations from our favorite books, new releases at the library, movies, of course, and shows we love, and even new music that you can stream. Yeah, and we also are going to have interviews with library staff members, so we'll get a good variety of recommendations. But first, before we get into our personal recommendations, I'm going to be giving you a top five list of the top picks for new releases by African-American authors. So first, I have Goliath by Tachi Onyabuchi. That is an adult fiction sci-fi. And it is about, in the 2050s, Earth has begun to empty. Those with the means and the privilege have departed to great cities of the United States for the more comfortable confines of space colonies. We've finally gone to space. <laughs> Those left behind salvage what they can from the collapsing infrastructure. As they eke out an existence there, their neighborhoods are being cannibalized, meaning brick by brick their houses are being sent up to the colonies and taken away from them. So what was once a home is now a quaint reminder for the colonists of the world that they wrecked. Um, so this is a um, multiple narrative story um, of several different perspectives. A space dweller looking at New Haven, Connecticut as a chance to reconnect with a spiraling lover. A group of laborers attempting to renew the promises of Earth's crumbling cities. A journalist attempting to capture the violence of the streets. And a marshal uh, trying to solve a kidnapping. And all of these go into this great mosaic about race, class, gentrification, and who is allowed to be the hero of any history. So uh, we have that on order for you, so you can still put yourself on hold for that. So go ahead and do that quickly so you can be near the top of the list once we finally get, a, get that in and put it on our shelves. So number two is going to be uh, Wahala by Nikki May. And this one is also going to be an adult fiction. Uh, it's going to be more of a thriller mystery. And uh, it's when Ronka happily uh, ever after wants, you know, that to come to her and she wants two kids. She's got her life all planned out. She's dating Coyote and wants him to be her the one, quote unquote. Mm. Her friends think that he's just another in a long line of dodgy Nigerian boyfriends. Boo, another friend, has everything Ronke wants, a kind husband, a gorgeous child, but she's frustrated, unfulfilled, plagued by guilt, and desperate to remember who she used to be. Simi, another friend, is the golden child with the perfect lifestyle. No one knows she's crippled by imposter syndrome and tempted to pack it all in each time her boss mentions her urban vibe. So her husband thinks that they're trying for a baby, but she's not. Uh-oh. 
Uh, so when the high-flying charismatic Isabel explodes into the group, it seems at first like she's bringing out the best in each of these women, but the more Isabel intervenes, the more chaos she sows, and Ronke, Simi, and Boo's close relationship uh, begins to crumble. So this is a sharp modern take on friendship, ambition, culture, and betrayal. Uh, these uh, four women have also been called the new Carrie, Samantha, Charlotte, and Miranda, for those who are Sex and the City fans. Um, so yeah, we actually have that one um, available right now. It will be in the new section of the adult fiction, and it is also available not only as a book form, but also in large print and audiobook, so that's exciting. Um, the next one we have is Something So Sweet. It is February, so I had to throw in a romance mm -hmm. into there. Uh, this one is by Joy Avery, and it looks like it is the first one in the start of a series called Honey Hill. Uh, so Honeybee's history and small-town charm are what Honey Hill, North Carolina, is all about. Uh, its mayor will stop at nothing to protect the town's historical landmarks and distinctive character. Uh, so, But everything changes when London's uh, childhood sweetheart, Quaid Cannon, returns to town. Though Quaid is fond of his memories in the summer of Honey Hill, he has absolutely no use for the historic inn he's inherited or the honeybees living in its yard. So he plans to sell the inn and reap the rewards. For London, though, the threat to Honey Hill's historical uh, breakdown means war, and determined to change Quaid's mind, she immerses him in the town's charm and its honeybee culture. Mm -hmm. But while he's falling for Honey Hill, he also falls for London, too. Did not see that coming. And the feeling is mutual between them, so as their summer romance heats up, London has a choice to make. The town she loves, or the man who's threatening to change it all. So that one sounds like a definitely heated one. That is also on order, so put your name on the list for that if you are looking for something a little steamy. And our fourth one is going to be uh, the nonfiction recommendation on the list. It is Manifesto on Never Giving Up by Bernadine Evaristo. Uh, so Evaristo's astonishing nonfiction debut is a vibrant and inspirational account of Evaristo's life and career as she rebelled against the mainstream and fought over several decades to bring her creative work into the world. With her char characteristic humor, Evaristo describes her childhood as one of eight siblings with a Nigerian father and a white Catholic mother, and tells the story of how she helped set up Britain's first black women's theater company, remembers the queer relationships of her 20s, and recounts her determination to write books that were absent in the literary world around her. She provides a hugely powerful perspective to contemporary conversations about race, class, feminism, sexuality, and aging, and reminds us of how far we have come and how far we still have to go. So that one definitely sounds really great, and it is already available on our shelves. So if you look in the new section, it will be nonfiction and a biography under EVA for Evaristo. Um, if it already is moved off of the new shelf, just go back to the biography section, and it'll be there on the shelves. So the last recommendation I have for you is the Violin Conspiracy, already sounding very dun-dun-dun. Mm. And that is another thriller mystery in adult fiction. Uh, this is about Ray McMillan, who loves playing the Vienna, the violin more than anything. The Vienna is Vienna. a new instrument, like piano it. and violin. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, he loves playing the violin more than anything and will stop at absolutely nothing from pursuing his dream of becoming a profession professional musician. Not his mother, who thinks he should get a real job, not the fact that he can't afford a high-caliber violin, and not the racism inherent in the classical music world. And when he makes the startling discovery that his great-grandfather's fiddle is actually a priceless Stradivarius, his star begins to rise. Then, with the International Tchaikovsky Competition, the Olympics of classical music, basically, mm -hmm. fast approaching, his prized family heirloom is stolen. 
Ray is determined to get it back, but now his family and the descendants of the men who once enslaved Ray's great-grandfather are each claiming that the violin belongs to them. With the odds stacked against him and the pressure mounting, will Ray ever see his beloved violin again? You will have to find out by reading it. And so you can, again, this is on order. You can put yourself on that hold list that when it comes out, you will be one of the top people, hopefully, to get that checked out soon, and you'll be able to tell us. If you could tell, I was saying you might get on the list before we do. So <laughs> that is the top picks we have for this month. And uh, now I will turn it over to Katie, who will give you her first recommendation. Excellent. Thank you. And each of those descriptions comes from the website Goodreads, where you can read about books coming out. And each of those titles will be available now or coming soon in the library catalog. If you need help putting those on hold, you can give us a call, too. So thanks for all those new releases. I'm really excited to hear about all of those coming out. There's some good ones. Uh, the book that I'm personally going to make a recommendation for is uh, it is called Diet for a Small Planet by Francis Moore LaPay. So very fancy. And this book actually just celebrated its 50th anniversary. So it's a nonfiction title. And I chose this book to read this month because for the past four years, I have decided to eat to completely vegetarian in January. So I belong to a company or I, I buy groceries from a company that's local to Ohio that delivers fresh produce to my house every couple weeks. And it's different from a CSA. It's actually a food shed. It's Yellowbird Food Shed where they um, will partner with area farms and deliver fresh vegetables really throughout the year. And let me tell you, in the middle of January, you're getting a lot of kale. <laughs> and so I started reading this book on a recommendation from Yellowbird, and it was one I had never heard of before, but this book highlights how food injustice is still so prevalent in the United States and across the globe, truly. It taught America the social and personal significance of a new way of eating. It's something that the author calls environmental vegetarianism. World hunger is not a matter of lack of food, it argues, but lack of justice in our food system. Even half a century later, the book is still completely relevant with these issues in food justice and how food grown around the world is then distributed around the world. I learned a lot about how much of the grain and uh, vegetable products that we grow here in this country are exported. Sometimes they're exported, turned into a different product, and imported again. So it was a lot of uh, learning about our food system, but one of the big appeals for this one is that the back of the book has tons of plant-forward and mostly plant-based recipes. This book is not entirely promoting vegetarianism, and one thing I like about it is it's not saying, like, to save our planet, you have to become vegan. It's saying you should be aware as a person who eats in this country what happens to food, how it's grown, and how it gets to your plate. And I really, really love the recipes that are in there. And with the update this year, they have included recipes from Mark Bittman, Padma Lakshmi, Alice Waters, Jose Andres, Brian Terry, Molly Katzen, and Sean Sherman. So they've taken a lot of new modern chefs and put their meatless recipes in there as well. Um, it just really puts the concept of food injustice into more manageable context for an everyday reader. And it shows individuals that they can make a difference with the choices they make in their diet. So I really enjoyed it. That yeah. was 
Diet for a Small Planet, the 50th Anniversary Edition by Francis Moore LePay. I like that. I'll just I'll look into that. Yeah, I recommend it. it. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. not personally a vegetarian, but I'm always good. Like I love vegetarian. <laughs> I love vegetarian dishes and trying all that stuff. I don't eat red meat, and yeah, I think it's super important to know yeah. like where it comes from and what's you know what is going on with what you're putting in your body. Exactly. So I actually just um, it's I don't think it's not a vegetarian cookbook. I don't know if there are reg- vegetarian um, dishes in it, but I just saw one of Sarah Michelle Gellar's cookbooks on the shelf and I looked through it because you know it's like celebrity that went and like used to act and did a cookbook and I was like these are actually fantastic like she's good at this and <laughs> as a fan of Buffy like I had to pick it up and, and see what that was all about absolutely so, some people are just so good at cookbooks yeah that's my that's actually if someone asked me my favorite genre to read it's actually cookbooks they're so fun especially <laughs> I love like the them. themed ones they have like Game of Thrones cookbooks now and mm-hmm. like oh, it's so like Harry Downton Potter Abbey. cookbooks yeah yeah don't worry I'll be talking about cookbooks a lot excellent on this show. <laughs> excellent I'll have to get one for myself so that we'll absolutely to, yeah we'll inspire each other <laughs> Um, but yeah, so mine is going to take a completely different turn from cookbooks. Um, and it's going to be a fiction book, first of all. And it's going to be horror because if you used to listen to our movie podcast, you know that we love horror. Yes. Um, and I do read a lot of that. But as your kind of, um, you know, New Year's resolution to say was to eat vegetarian, mm-hmm. mine was to read uh, more things, like like at least one thing a month that isn't horror and isn't like an adult thing. Uh-huh. You know, either, either or or both. So um, I will be bringing more to that. Um, but of course, sticking true to my roots as well. So, I read a book called *The Hollow Places* by T. Kingfisher, uh, and that is actually a pseudonym for Ursula Vernon, who is known for writing uh, juvenile and children's books. Uh, she took up T. Kingfisher for her more um, adult books that are uh, tend to be more fantasy and horror based. So, uh, this is the first one that I've actually read by her. Uh, I very much enjoyed it, and I want to read more of hers. Um, she has a smaller collection as T. Kingfisher, but it is growing. Um, and she has a really great voice for it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to look into her juvenile stuff now and kind of compare um, if, it's not, if it you know, sounds similar. But this already has a really creepy premise when you read it. I, I couldn't not read it. This was the first one I chose and just, like, had to, had to do it. It's, they can hear you thinking... Pray they are hungry. Shivers. I've never heard someone say pray they are hungry. That usually is bad. Uh So there must be something worse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But our main character, Kara, is freshly divorced and living and working at her uncle's tourist trap shop when she stumbles upon these words written inside a mysterious bunker that she's found behind a hole in the wall of her uncle's museum. Uh, The more Kara explores on the other side of this hole, the more she realizes her home and her reality may not be the only one out out there. Um, but these places are haunted by creatures that seem to hear your thoughts. And the more that you fear them, the stronger they become and the more physical they become. So now she has to protect not only her uncle's shop, but her world from anything escaping from that hole to the other side. Yeah. Mm. Fun. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the first reviews that I read for this, um, if anybody is a fan uh, or have heard or has heard of Gravity Falls, the Disney Channel cartoon mm-hmm. series that was on a while ago, somebody mentioned it was Gravity Falls fan fiction for adults. I am a huge fan of Gravity Falls, and I think that matches perfectly. Nice. Um, and I'm not mad about it, but about um, as far as Gravity Falls is about two twins who get sent to their... Um, their great uncle, their grunkle stands, uh, tourist trappy shop um, for the summer. Okay. And so then like weird things ensue and they find out mysteries and everything. So that's about as much as these two connect um, with her going and staying at her uncle's shop and him selling, you know, everything from like taxidermy to like this was 
the penny that touched uh George Washington's niece or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's about as far as it goes with the plot. Once she finds the hole and gets into the other side, it's it's not kid-friendly. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy, enjoyed it so much. It's actually inspired by a famous horror classic, which is The Willows by Algernon Blackwood. Um, so I, I've been starting to listen to that on audiobook because I've, I've had that on my list for a while too. Um, I think they did a pretty good job because they take just um, the aspect of these willows, the plant, the willow bushes, and uh, T. Kingfisher runs with it and creates this whole other universe from the small journey the men take in the original story. So her characters are wonderfully written personalities. They are so much fun to journey with. Um, we've got Kara, who sometimes is nicknamed Carrot, and Simon, um, as the unlikely but lovable duo who are brought together by their basic need for coffee because Simon is the, uh, do you still call a male barista? Barista? still barista? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So he is a barista at the coffee shop right next door to the tourist trap shop. They've both been there for ages. You know, small town, the owners know each other, you know, her and her uncle. So um, she goes in there and gets her coffee and they end up discovering kind of this weird thing together. And, um, he never backs out or leaves. Like, he's on the ride. You know, he's ready for it to explore mm-hmm. with her. He never, like, goes in and then goes, like, why did you bring me here? So that's always great. Like, he's a, he's a positive and very helpful character. Um, but they're just so likable because they both have great wit and sarcasm, and it complements each other in the face of danger. So even though this is a horror book, to me, I kind of felt like it was part horror, part dark fantasy, Um, because there's just so much, there's enough levity and humor to lift out of some of the moments. Okay. And I'm exactly the type of person who deals with hard things by using humor and, like, dark humor. (laughs) So these were my people. They, They understood me. Yeah. But um, having said that, this book definitely has its super creepy moments, but it's a lot of fun. It's an adventure horror. Um, It's all about exploration, and so it'll really fill all of those spots. Um, This book does have some body horror in it, though. Um, That's probably the worst of the horror elements. Uh, They don't last long, though, and they don't go into a huge amount of detail. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I didn't think that it was that bad. Um, You know, creepy and, like, ugh, you know? But nothing that was going to keep me awake at night or, like, have me, like, thinking about it forever. Um, And as a horror fanatic, you know, I would say that um, this is cosmic horror light. So cosmic horror can be really freaky, even for me. Um, It, it, you know, tickles that niche of I want to be scared. Mm-hmm. But this is is very cosmic horror light, like I said. And so if you've wanted to delve into that genre of horror, the kind of otherworldly Lovecraftian stuff, um, but you've always been a little freaked out that it's going to be, like, too much, this would be a good place to start because it really does have that that fantasy kind of uplift to it, and it doesn't go too deep into anything. It's it's a little more about the the other world aspect of it. So really, the only critiques I had for this book... Um, was that uh, it wasn't, and of course this is for me, it wasn't as scary as I wanted it to be, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was it was still enjoyable the entire way. I was not mad. Uh, I was able to enjoy the whole thing. Um, I thought that um, Kara's apathy for regarding her divorce, which is a big part of this, she doesn't really, she's more just kind of like, this divorce was annoying, and man, that guy sucks for, you know, divorcing me because she's the one that, like, gets left. And so she's not very emotional about that. So maybe she just saw it coming. I don't know. But they don't really they don't really give much emotional oomph to that, which I kind of thought would have been a little more character building. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really just kind of felt 
like it it existed to move the plot in some way. It could have been replaced by other things. So that's my only really main critique. Um, also, the ending didn't give me quite as much info about what happened and what the world was all in the end, but I'm not going to give it flack for that, um, besides just the mention, because that is a kind of a staple of cosmic horror stories, is that you don't always get all the answers, and that's kind of part of what makes it terrifying and fun and otherworldly. So, um, you know, this is based off a short story that was cosmic horror, so it's taking you, you know, out of your reality, out of your comprehension. That's a big theme. Um, also, the ending in this book had a lot more of that fantasy element that I expected, and so it does end on on. Uh, it, it's not a super depressing ending or anything. It does definitely kind of kind of um, resolve and and give you a feeling of like I'm not going to be chased by otherworldly creatures. So I won't tell you how all of that comes to be. I won't tell you how the hole in the wall happens. Um, but I will tell you there are some creepy side characters that are very memorable. You will love these characters. And um, it really just gives you a fun, adventurous, magical feeling. So I, I do strongly recommend this. I am going to be reading other other stuff by her. She also wrote one called The Twisted Ones that is apparently based off of uh, the short story uh, The White People, which has had a couple of adaptions. There was one um, that came out a couple of uh, years ago also mm -hmm. that we had in our library. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, if you would like to check this out, it is available in the adult fiction section of our libraries under fiction, K-I-N for Kingfisher. And uh, yeah, that's what I can say about that one. Excellent. That sounds great. And it's also a great transition because I'm also going to talk about a title that is considered cosmic horror. I'm not a fan of cosmic horror either. And, and mostly the comparisons are like the phrase cosmic horror is coming from Lovecraft, books by Lovecraft, or being strongly compared to Lovecraft, of whom I'm not a huge fan. So when I saw this book that I'm going to talk about, I was surprised that it got those comparisons. So that book is called This Thing Between Us by Gus Moreno. It's M-O-R-E-N-O. And this book was something that I didn't know what to expect. I had read a few reviews of it, but as soon as I picked it up, for the first time in a long time, I found a book that I could not put down. It was so engaging right away, and the storytelling style was one that I hadn't seen before that really kept me going. So this is a book that follows two main characters, Tiago and Vera, his wife. And very early on in the book, so this is not a spoiler, Vera dies in an accident, so the majority of the book is Tiago addressing Vera as if filling her in on all the events that have things that have happened since she's died. So before she dies, they go to, they buy a new condo, they've just gotten married, and Tiago spends a lot of time reflecting on their life together when Vera was alive. And one of the things they did when they bought this new condo was they also bought something called an Itza or Itza. I'm not exactly sure how it's pronounced. I-T-Z-A. This is an example or a, a knockoff, essentially, of an Alexa. So it's a smart speaker that they install in their house, and it sets their alarms. It controls their TV. It starts playing random music. And then packages start randomly showing up at their house. And then there's scratching in the walls and random lights coming off and on. And Tiago is convinced that it is the Itza that's causing all of this trouble. And the device just starts to malfunction and manipulate them in such unusual ways that Tiago believes that it's the reason that Vera died in her so-called accidental death. 
After she dies, Tiago decides that he needs to leave Chicago. He needs to leave Vera's entire family and all technology behind him. So he leaves the town and ends or leaves the town, Chicago, and flees to a cabin in Colorado where he's completely isolated and thinks this is going to solve all of his problems, potentially brought on by a smart speaker. There are elements of cosmic horror that come in when the move to Colorado happens, but once they get there, this is also when the book truly takes off for me. Because in this cabin in Colorado, he's completely isolated, and so you start seeing elements of The Shining come in. And I would also say there are elements of Pet Cemetery happening almost right away. And I don't want to give too much more away because the journey that Tiago goes on is so terrifying and so scary but it is absolutely worth reading because it is triggered by this smart speaker you learn after all. But then you end up getting into time loops and uh, back and forth things. There are some some really strange things that appear in the woods. So you get that kind of cosmic element there. And I will say that while this book is incredibly creepy, super atmospheric, I honestly could not put it down. But I will give a trigger warning that there is some violence towards animals So if injury to dogs is something that's a deal breaker for you, I would skip this one. But that is This Thing Between Us by Gus Moreno. You can request that one through the library catalog or give us a call and we'll put that on hold for you. That's been on my read list, so I'm super excited to hear that review because that's the extra stuff you mentioned is like nowhere near all that I thought was going to be contained in a book like that from Mm -hmm. the summary. So that's super exciting. I want to read that like next. Um, but yeah, you knew eventually they were going to have to write something, uh, a book about the, the Alexa type thing yes. in the world. We're, all, we're <laughs> right? all terrified of them and we use them way too much. It's so true. So I'm going to veer completely left again because we've got to throw something in for the kiddos. And I happened to read uh, a really adorable book that touched me. Um, and it was called My Cat is Blue by Sarah Summer. And I'm a cat lover. <laughs> so just seeing a, a cute cat on the cover and it was like, my cat is blue. And I was like, oh, that's adorable. Why Why is it my cat blue? Why is your cat blue? And so I picked it up and I read it in the next few minutes. Super easy read. And another thing I love about this, it's a story about a family cat who is literally colored blue. Um, throughout the book, you find out it's a metaphor for the cat feeling sad or feeling quote-unquote blue because the family lost another one of their pets recently. Mm. So the cat lost its friend and is feeling kind of depressed and sad. So that's what this book is about. It's about dealing with the loss of a family pet. And it t- you know deals a little bit with how the human people deal with that, but mostly how the other pet feels. And I've thought about that so much and I've gone through that experience before with pets that I've had. And I really appreciate kids books that tackle those tough and, you know, sometimes seemingly taboo things you're not sure if you should mention so early. Um, Kids are smart. They're observant. And finding a way to simplify the concept of losing a pet and the feelings that the family and other animals go through, they do such a great job in this book. And I won't obviously spoil it for you, even though I know it's hard because it's a kid's (laughs) book and it's like 10 pages long. Um, But it does have an uplifting ending, so it it deals with this in a a good way. Um, And even though the subject was sad and, you know, like I said, I've lost beloved pets in my family. We've always treated them like they are family members. I didn't find this book to be super sad. I thought that it was very sweet and I thought it was really well 
well done. So if you need a good book to tackle this kind of experience in your family, I highly recommend My Cat is Blue. Uh, you won't forget the name. It's very <laughs> short and very cute. And and yeah, it just does an excellent job. And uh, you can find that one. It's actually a newer kids book. So you can find that in the kids new section under um, Easy Fiction, S-O-M. And, uh, you know, if you are looking for it, depending on how quickly it moves off the new shelf, you can look in the, the Easy Fiction Children's section as well. Um, but check the new, the new fiction section first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. That one sounds really cute. And I want to see a cute little... So is the cat actually blue? It or is actually that? blue. Okay. It is both physically blue and a metaphor for being blue. Oh, I so love that. Love that. that. Yes. Very, very easy to understand and grasp connected to feelings. Um, so yeah, those are the the recommendations we have for you. A little all over the place, and that's why we like it, because mm-hmm. we want to make sure we get well-rounded recommendations for you. So yeah, we want to thank you for tuning in to our new and improved Library Gals podcast. Uh, we'd love to have you tune in to our next episode, where we will be talking about movies this time, and you won't have to wait an entire month. It's only going to be two weeks. This is going to be bi-monthly. Yes. And uh, so for our next episode, we are going to have a special guest, Kellen, our resident maker studio wizard if you have not checked out the maker studio yet at the main library you should there's so many cool things you can do there's a 3d printer there's sewing stuff i've made buttons with foxes on them um (laughs) so you know it's definitely cool to check out and tune in of course to hear his opinions on the movie he chose which we will tell you next time Join us next time on Library Gals. Go to the library where we geek out about books, movies, and more. You can email us your questions, comments, or concerns, any feedback you like, at libraryguys at delawarelibrary.org. To check out all the digital resources mentioned in today's episode, or to request any items for your reading, viewing, or listening pleasure, visit delawarelibrary.org. We'll see you soon. Thank you.